0: title of my sermon today is, Do You Have the Good News? You know, right now we see in the world, we see a lot of crazy news. We see a lot of sad news, maybe bad news. We see some say fake news, right? There's all of this news out there. But one of the things that makes us different is that we have the good news. We as Christians, as Christ followers, we've been uniquely set up in this season to be able to share and send and deliver good news, Scripture talks about all throughout the New Testament. You know, Jesus was coming and he was preaching and he was leading us in this good news. We have the good news. And so the title of my sermon for you is, Do You Have the Good News? I wrote down these, uh, found these top nine excuses for why someone wouldn't be sharing the good news. Top nine excuses for why someone wouldn't be sharing the good news. Number nine. I thought you had to be a licensed, ordained minister of the gospel to share the good news. We've just left it all up to the preacher. We've left it up to the church. Number eight, I have about four more hours of deep spiritual worship to do before I can talk to any sinners. We got those people that got to go get so bathed and, and prepared and all worshiped up before they can go out into the highways and byways like God called us to. Number seven, my bullhorn is broken. I'm glad your bullhorn is broken. If you're a bullhorn uh, evangelist, preacher, shouter, um, that's probably not a bad thing that your bullhorn is broken. Number six. This is hilarious. Number six. I'm scared. I heard sinners watch CNN. So you got to watch out for that. You don't want to go out in the world and talk to anyone that might listen. Now, CNN, isn't that the Christian news network? I thought, isn't it? Anyway, number five. I'm still working on memorizing the New Testament. Oh, I can't share the good news with anybody. I'm not quite fully dev- I haven't memorized. I, I don't want to reach anybody, love anybody, care for anybody, because I really got to get this New Testament memorized. We need to have another Bible study before I can share the good news with somebody. Number four, this is not a good one. Number four, the reason I haven't shared the good news, number four, is because everyone I know is a Christian. Everybody I know is a Christian. There's no reason to share the good news because everybody I know is a Christian. Hopefully, you know, some people who are non-Christian. Number three, number three, there are some people I just really want to go to hell. The reason I'm not going to share the good news is because there's just some people in my life. I wouldn't mind if they ended up going to hell. And uh, I'm not going to make a confession here, but, but maybe that's you. Maybe that's you. Uh, number two. Jesus hasn't appeared to me in a vision to tell me who he wants me to share the good news with. We got some of those Christians that they won't do anything. They won't do anything until so they have this big, massive spiritual revelation vision come down from the mountain when, when God is like, Hey, just go love one another. Just go, can you know, what can you do for somebody? Number one, and I think this is a great number one. If people find out that I'm a Christian I would have to live like one. Number one excuse, number one reason that I don't share the good news is because if people found out I was a Christian, I'd have to live like one. And uh, obviously, I'm just messing around, having some fun today, uh, but want to just encourage you, there, there's no good excuses for why we're not sharing the good news. There's no good reasons. There's no good excuses why you're, why you're like the little song that we used to sing, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. I'm not gonna hide this thing under a bushel. No, I'm gonna what? I'm gonna share this good news. I'm gonna preach the gospel. I'm gonna let people know God loves them and he cares about them. Can I get an amen today? I wanna take just a minute because one of the things that's really cool is we're live, live today. So like I got my phone, I'm seeing that you're live. And so all of this stuff is happening live. And so every week going forward as a church, we're going to be live, live. You're going to be able to see at that second service, we're going to be able to put together an online church experience that's happening. So watch this. I'm going to pick up my phone and I'm going to do this. And we're going to give a shout out. So you'll be able to see that in a minute. So isn't that awesome that we're live, live today? And so uh, just again, huge thank you to tech team. We got some people back here, number one, making me not feel so lonely in this room, but also just making all these different things happen and just have it just carried us as we just posted. So uh, think it's so amazing. And so give them some love today as they're making this happen. But back to the sermon and it's this, do you have the good news? Do you have the good news? I wonder if somebody were to um, talk about you. Say, so, oh, have you, have you heard about Josh? Have you heard about Josh? Oh yeah, that guy, that guy, you know, he's just always out there sharing good news. I love that guy. He's sharing good news. Or the, oh, that guy, boy, oh, geez. Stay away from his Facebook. It's, it's always bad news, sad news, negative news, fearful news, anxiety news, worry news. Are you with me? Or are you a good news? news? person. Uh, My mom taught me growing up, mom, if you're watching, I hope you are, you'll know this is true. Uh, My mom said a lot of terrible things to us when we were growing up, like, hey, if you don't start acting right, I can take you out of this world because I brought you in this world, I can take you out of it. And it's like, you know, all these things. But one thing that really stuck with me is my mom said this, she said, hey, if you keep making a face like that, your face is going to be stuck like that forever, So you need to quit making those faces or your face is going to be stuck like that forever. And here's my worry. By the time I'm looking at how all these Christians are are talking on social media and interacting with one another, when I'm looking at 2020 and I'm seeing how Christians are posting and and the not good news they're sharing and the not gospel they're sharing and the not good news, I'm worried my face is going to be stuck like this after 2020. I'm logging on my Facebook and I'm looking at everything and, I, and I'm worried that that's going to be my, my face from now on because I'm looking at how these people are supposedly being a light, supposedly being different, like in our series, being different and sharing good news and share. And I'm worried that after I'm looking at all this, that that's going to be my, my face for the rest, of, the rest of my life. Here's my true worry, and I hate to use the word worry, but here's what I'm concerned with through all of this, okay? My concern is going to be that when the world sees Christians coming, whether it be our social media post or the way we walk into the break room or the way we walk into whatever we walk into, my worry is because of how negative we are, because of how know-it-all we are, because of how nobody's ever doing it good enough and nobody's ever right enough and nobody's ever Christian my worry is that when the world sees Christians coming, it's gonna be like seeing the principle coming. Oh no, here comes a Christian, we better hide. Oh, here comes another Christian, we, be- we better duck out, we better look out, we better-, we better hide off because here comes those Christians again and they're gonna say how we're not good enough, we don't got it together enough, we're not doing it right enough, and so we better hide out. And it's because we're not good news sharers. We're negative news sharers. We're, we're, you're not good enough news sharers. We need to be different. God has called us to be the light. And I'm not saying we hide in the sand and we don't ever share truth. I'm just saying we're called to come in and love and lift up and encourage. Can I get an amen today? So I don't want us to be the, oh no, here come the Christians. All we are as Christians are these keyboard crusaders, I'm going to make a difference today. And you're just on there. I'm going to make a difference. And you're just this keyboard crusader. We're called to be so much more than that. You're a worldwide web world changer. You're not really getting out in the world and trying to change the world and make a difference and love a neighbor and spend time caring and talking, connecting. No, the only time you're trying to make a statement is when you get yourself up on the internet and you think you're making a difference. No, God's called us to be different. And one of the ways that we're different, it were these good news sharers. Can I get an amen today? One of the most useful and my most favorite feature that I've discovered this year in 2020 on social media is called the hide feature. Did you know that you can hide some people? You're still their friends and they can still see your stuff but you get to hide them. And so, man, I'm telling you, my my day is like, oh, you get a hide, you get a hide. How about a little hide for you? I'm mixing up a big old batch of hide for you because I'm not gonna see that mess. I'm not going to let that mess. I'm, 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 I'm here to watch my friends grow up. I'm my family. You know, I'm here to see kids grow up and connect with me. I'm here for the, the good news, the positive stuff, but all your fear mongering, your, your negativity, your ugly, all this kind of stuff that, that gets a big old batch of hide. Can I get an amen? Sometimes when I'm now in conversation with people and they're talking and they're doing their stuff in my mind. I'm thinking, hide, hide, hide them, hide them. <laughs> can, can I hide you in real life? And I'm playing around right now, obviously, but, 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 but what I'm also trying to say is again, I have another wonder. I wonder if the world is seeing Christians coming and thinking, man, I wish I could hide you because I'm never good enough for you. I'm never doing it right enough for you. There's never any good news that ever comes out of you. You're always so, and so it's, you're never good enough. You're never, I wish I could just hide the Christians, I hope that's not what the world is saying about us, because the truth is we're supposed to be a people with the good news and the light, and we're, we're changing atmospheres by way of God that we're carrying on the inside of us. Can I get an amen today? Oswald Chambers says it like this, God didn't give us discernment in order that we may criticize, but that we may intercede. So many of us, we take our, our wisdom, we take the, the knowledge and the discernment and the things that's given it to us in our, in our revelation. God gives you great revelation. He gives you breakthrough. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. But we're taking that and we're then turning it on, tearing down one another, being negative about one another and criticizing one another and and, and backbiting on each other because of this discernment and this information that you have. No, God's saying, "I'm, I'm giving you these eyes to see so that you may intercede, that you may find ways to make things better. Can I get an amen? You've heard me say it like this before, and I love this thought. It says, we will be known for our opinions. We'll be known for our opinions, but we'll be remembered for our love. So your opinions are great and it's important for us to to be educated and have kind of things. But at the end of the day, how will people remember the way that you're loving and the good news that you're sharing and the way that you're reaching them? Uh, I thought about it. I heard it like this this week. Positive words are difficult to remember. Positive words are difficult to remember. Negative words are difficult to forget. Positive words are difficult to remember. Negative words are difficult to forget. It's hard for us to hold on to the, to the good news and the positive. It's already hard enough for us to hold on to remember that. But then when we're spewing the negative and we're dumping the negative, you've heard us talking about power of the words, that's even harder for people to forget. I hope that as Christians, we're not damaging people with our words and causing them to hold on to things that are hard to forget, but instead we're coming in with the good news and we're just laying that positivity on them. Can I get an amen? And people say, well, pastor, it's not all about fun and good news and love we got to tell the truth and yes, the truth will set them free, but it's, it's this truth in love. And Christ gives us this amazing example. God gives us this great pattern to do this. Romans chapter two, verse four in the living Bible says, don't you realize how patient he is being with you or don't you care? Can't you see that he has been waiting all this time without punishing you to give you time to turn from your sin? His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance It's talking about this great grace that we have that God has shown us while we're trying to get it all together. Well, don't you, can't you see, don't you notice that God's giving this great grace while you're getting it all together? Why? Because it's in that kindness that we're led to repentance and to turn away from our sins. But my worry is as Christians is that we're so quick to throw out the grace and the process and the kindness and all we want to do is beat people into repentance. You're not good enough. You're not and you repent and it's not good enough and they're not good and that's not good and nothing's good enough. So then people walk away feeling like nothing's good enough. I'm not good enough. I'll never be enough. No, there's this kindness that leads us to repentance. It's this love that we walk alongside with people. Can I get an amen? The New Living Translation says this, says the same thing in the New Living Translation. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see his kindness is intended for you to turn from your sin? This tolerance, this grace, this compassion, we're called to live out this same example with other people, but we're so quick to judge and tell them how wrong they are and how off they are and how it's not good enough. And no, we have to walk gracefully. And I'm not saying that, that, you, that you just let people sin and be whatever way they want and you don't ever say anything in love. But what I'm saying is we can't be so quick for all of our focus to be bad news, negative news, hateful news about how wrong people are. Can I get an amen this morning? We'll be known, the scripture says, by our love for one another. How will we truly know that we're the disciples? By the way that we love one another. Can I tell you something? Can I make a confession this morning? <laughs> It's not even by how good our sermons are. And I'm a preacher who delivers sermons. We're not going to change the world by even how good we preach. It's by how we love one another. It's not by making a big statement. It's by showing the good news, the ways of God. God's love is good news. But the problem is we get religious We let religion get all tangled up in us. We get get all judgmental by way of religion. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus speaking, he actually uses these really key phrases. He says, be careful. This is Matthew 16, 6. He says, I'm going to paraphrase, but he says, be careful. One, One translation says, be aware. Another says, watch out that the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees, don't let that get in you. So literally he's saying that mindset, that proud mindset, that know it all. Nobody else is good enough. I keep all the rules. I know all the rules. I know all the ways. And so the message becomes about do, do, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. It says, watch out, be careful, be aware that the leaven of that Pharisee doesn't get in you. You can't let that get in you because why? We're good news speakers. We're gospel communicators. Are you with me today? So be careful that you don't let that be in you. So today I got three points for you about how we share the good news, the way that we're different and we're called to share the good news. And so here's an encouragement that I have for you. Point number one is this, be a hero, not a hindrance. When it comes to sharing the good news and reaching people and loving people and and it's the goodness of God that leads us, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Uh, In this walk, we need to be a hero, not a hindrance. Uh, You know, many of us, we would love to say um, like, oh, hey, uh, I would love to be a superhero. You know, I would love to save the day one day. I would love to to be somebody who can um, just, you know, dive into the burning building or flip over the car that has been in a a wreck and save a child from the backseat. And the truth is you can't plan that, right? You can't just decide one day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to save someone from a burning building. But do you know that spiritually you can wake up and say, you know what, today, I'm going to love somebody today. I'm going to pray for somebody today. I'm going to listen to somebody today. I'm going to show grace to somebody today. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lead them in kindness. Uh, and, and, and maybe it may lead to their repentance. I'm going to live out what the scripture said. You can choose to wake up, to be a spiritual hero, to somebody in your workplace, to somebody in your neighborhood. And so my encouragement is be a hero, not a hindrance. First John three seventeen says it like this, but whoever has the world's goods, and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? If you have the answer, if you have the good news, if you've experienced the love of God, but yet you keep it to yourself, maybe because you're judgmental about somebody, how somebody's acting, maybe you don't like a belief system that they have or a way that they're living. And you say, nah, I'm gonna hold all this for myself because I'm not in agreement with the style that they do that. And so you keep to yourself. Scripture is saying, how does the love of God even abide in you? And then it says this in verse 18, it says, my children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but indeed in deed and truth. You hear us preach this scripture all the time. We cannot be just words. Our message of good news has to move from language, from, from posting, from sharing. It has to move into action. And so don't, don't be a hindrance. Don't hold anybody back by keeping it to yourself or holding on to it, but let's step out. Let's be that hero. Let's be somebody who can save with what God has given to us. Isn't that why we're actually here in the whole point of it all anyway? is to redeem mankind, right? God came and saved the world and now he's leaving it to us saying, hey, I know you can go out and make a difference. So that's why I think about this place, this place right here, church, what we're doing is so much more than just music or a sermon or kids ministry. I think about even what's coming up next week, us getting together in a parking lot party. That's so much more than having hamburgers and hot dogs. What it is, is it's us coming alongside one another and saying, hey, how can I help you? How can I be praying for you? How can I be involved in your life in a positive way? Can I get an amen today? You'll find moments where what you actually end up doing is you stop along the way and you go, hey, what's really going on in your life? I know we're here eating hot dogs and we're hanging out and we got all these activities, but how are you really doing? Can not get an amen? What are we doing? It's the kindness that's going to help people lead into the change that they need to see in their life. I thought about it like this. Some people, they say, oh no, they're way on the extreme end of things. They're like, oh no, we, we can't do fun and fellowship and kindness. That's not going to lead anybody to change. It's funny when John the Baptist shows up on the scene, the scripture says in Luke seven that he's neither eating or drinking. And there's that guy, he's demon-possessed. He's, you know, he's this guy out here. He's neither eating nor drinking. He's this crazy guy. He's this outcast. He must be demon-possessed. And then when Jesus shows up on the scene, the scripture says Jesus shows up and he is eating and drinking and he is participating. And now they're mad at him. You can see they're mad at him. They say he's a glutton. He's a drunk. He's a friend of sinners and tax collectors. The way that he's interacting and sharing good news and loving people is also ridiculous. What I'm here to say is there's always going to be like two sides of things. There's always going to some say, oh, we need to be more like this when we do the good. And we need to be more like this. And I just like Jesus' approach where he came and sat down and did life with people and said, hey, I'm going to come in and I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink and I'm going to hang out. And, And if you're a sinner or a tax collector or a Michigan State Spartan, there's love for all of you. Can I get an amen today? Because why? Because the truth is we're called to be these heroes, to be these these good news sharers. Let's come in and do life with people. Amen. Point number two is this. We need to do it for the one. Let's do it for the one. I, uh, I love this thought right here. You may have heard this story of this young boy. Uh, there was a you, very famous story, but it's this story of this little kid who he's out on the seashore and all of these starfish have washed up on shore and uh, they're all there and they're all dying. There's tens of thousands of them. If they don't get back in the water, they're going to die. And so this little boy is out there excuse me, he's just throwing them. He's throwing them back into the sea. And this old man comes out and he looks at what the boy is doing. He walks up to the boy and he's like, man, little guy, what are you doing here with these starfish? I can't believe that you're, you're taking the time and you're throwing it. He said, well, I'm throwing them back into the sea. If they don't get back into the sea, they're gonna die. And he says, but young man, look at there's tens of thousands. Look at all of these. There's no way you're ever going to get all of these back in before they die. He said, you're never going to be able to make a difference. And he picks one up and he throws it back into the scene. He said, I made a difference for that one. And so you may be sitting here and going like, oh, but the world, look at all of the the change. Again, point number two is we got to do it for the one is this, you may look at the world and go, how in the world are we ever going to clean this up? How in the world are we ever going to fix this? How are we ever going to make a difference? You start with one. Are you with me? You reach down and you go, here's one. Here's a neighbor, here's a coworker. here's a kid in Kids Hope, here's a kid at the church that I can minister to, here's one that I can put back into the place that it, it belongs, are you with me? In relationship with God, what it was created to be, I can make a difference in that one. Can I get an amen this morning? Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It says this, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creation. We all know that. The Great Commission, we love that. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, that means everybody matters. Can I get an amen? Acts chapter one, verse eight, backs this up with this really cool uh, information. Acts chapter one, verse eight. It's like, hey, you also need to know this along the way while you're doing the great commission, you need to know this. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Here's what I want you to see. It says, look, you're called to preach to the entire world. But it says this, but you're going to be equipped with power, the Holy Spirit, to be able to do it. How are we going to make a difference? How are we going to be able to clean up this whole world and clean up this whole shore and make a difference even for the one? Well, you're going to be able to do it no matter what your personality type is. You're going to be able to do it. How? Because the Holy Spirit is empowering you to do it. Acts chapter one is telling you, how are you going to be able to do it? Not by your own wisdom, not by your own wit, not by your own knowledge, all this kind of stuff. It's because the Holy Spirit is here to help us deliver the good news. Can I get an amen? And so we're sitting here saying, hey, how do we start? The scripture tells you how to start. It says Jerusalem and then Judea. And so basically what it's telling them when it's teaching them, it's you start right where you are. You don't start sharing the good news when you get the opportunity to go be a missionary to Africa. No, you start the good news right here in Zealand and in Holland and right where you are is when you start preaching the good news right where you are. It's right where they were standing. My example for you is how do you start preaching the good news? You invite somebody to the parking lot party next week. You say, hey, come with us. We got this free food. We're going to be connecting again. That's how you start sharing the good news. You start putting them in environments of simple things like that. Even right now, you could click share. If you're watching on Facebook, you hit your share button. You let this word go out. People begin to receive it. That's how you share the good news. I was sent a video uh, by a pastor friend of mine. And uh, he sent it to me and he said, you got to watch this. And uh, it was a sermon by a pastor who was preaching against the church of America, basically the, the current pattern of church. And basically the purpose of the sermon was this. The guy was trying to preach that churches are doing too much activism and not enough evangelism. And so the whole purpose was, oh, the, the news or the message that's coming from the church is too much activism. It's too much cause. It's too much concern for the cares of the world and for communities. It's not enough preaching of evangelism and the gospel in the Bible. And so I'm watching this and, you know, blood is starting to boil because I'm just here to tell you today, guess what I am for? I am for activism. It's called the activism of the kingdom of God. And if we leave the activism of the kingdom of God inside the four walls of the church, we'll never be who we're called to be. Can I get an amen today? I'm here to tell you today, we are activism people. That's why the scripture, which we're going to read in just a minute in James says, pure and undefiled religion is those people who take up the cause of other people in their community. Amen. Not people who just have a good Bible study. Oh, pure and... and, uh, Let's just get there in a minute. I got to calm down. Simma down. Let me, I got to tell myself to calm down just a second. Simma, do you guys know what that means? It auto-corrected it. There we go. All right, let's get back to this. James chapter one, verse 27 churches doing too much activism i'm gonna get to heaven and god's gonna be like hey um i'm taking a look at what you did with the life that i gave you i'm you're really on my nerves because you cared so much about the people in your community i know you should have had another faith class and another blessing class and another christian class but i'm really you're on my nerves because you went in and you cared for the widow and the orphan and the kids hope kid and the are you with me today Too much activism. James chapter one, verse 27 in the English standard version says this, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the father is this, to visit the orphan and the widow and their affliction. Insert whatever you want into widow and orphan. You can insert anyone who's hurting or anyone in affliction or any cause that needs to be handled. Pure and undefiled before God is those who visit those in affliction. And then it says, and to keep one unstained from the world. I understand the way that we stay unstained from the world is by the gospel message and the reading of the word and the renewing of our mind. I understand that, that is part of it. But to say that the two can't work together is a huge disservice to the advancement of the kingdom of God and the place that God has influenced us to be in our community. Do you wanna know why all the other agendas in the world are working greater than the church is working in America? Is because they're committed to taking their truth and putting it in action. Can I get an Amen. James chapter one, verse 27 in the NIV says this, religion and God, our father, religion that God, our father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after the orphan and the widow in their distress and to keep themselves one. I'm all worked up right now. You guys, when we come back to church, we're going to get after it is to look after the orphans and the widow and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You absolutely are right. We cannot let ourselves get polluted by the world. But if all we ever do as a church is just come in here and wash ourselves and clean ourselves, isn't it a lot like the scripture that says, hey, on the outside, you've kept yourself real clean, you've done a real good job. But on the inside, it hasn't changed you enough to go out and try to make a difference in people's lives. Let me keep reading so people in the back can can get this. The New Living Translation, did I read that one already? No, I don't even know. James 127, New Living Translation. Pure and genuine, gosh, I love that word genuine. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring, actually caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James one twenty seven in the passion translation, true spirituality that is pure in the eyes of our father, God is to make a difference, make a difference, not just make a statement to them, but make a difference in the lives of the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to refuse to be corrupt by the world's values. I'm a hundred percent for activism because the devil would love to get us to believe the lie that we shouldn't be active in our community. Marches that made a difference used to start in the church with worship and prayer and they would set an agenda and they would go out and they would peacefully protest. Why? Because they were in the right place in their communities, which allowed them to go influence. But we've aborted and we've surrendered our influence because all we want to do is talk about the Bible and the next class. And I love all that. I've given my life to it. Don't, don't don't, sit here and say, look at him. See, he's devaluing scripture. He doesn't put emphasis on it. I absolutely do put emphasis on it, but the devil will let you eat scripture all day long if you don't ever do anything with it. Can I get an amen? I get worked up because I see people just wanting to have church. Don't let the leaven of the Pharisee get on the inside of you. Why? Because you'll be inefficient. You'll be inactive. And the devil can sit back and run hay all day. Why? Because we're not doing anything. We're coming back in here. Bless you, bless you. Oh, did you hear that song? Did you, did you get that new song? Oh, it blessed me, blessed me. While the world is getting beat down. Can I get an amen today? Religion doesn't want a call to action. Do you want to know why the religious don't want a call to action? It's because you can't fake love when you're out on the street. You can come in here and say, bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Love you. Oh, blah, blah. And we can do all that. But when you got to get out on the street and you actually have to put your love in action, it's too hard to fake. So that's why the religious would love to just keep us in here posting all this stuff and keeping it because you can't fake love on the streets. Jesus came preaching. He's the way, the truth, and he's life. Life is action. Like we've got to let this thing spill into making a difference in our community. Can I get an amen? They say 79% of people who will, who will come to church and be connected to a life-giving body and, and will see transformation in their life, the way that they come and they get connected is because they know somebody who's going to be there will care for them. They don't come for the pastor. They don't come for a program. They don't come for the music. Now those are all factors in, in how you stay and connect, but they come saying, I know somebody there is going to genuinely care for me and care about me and share good news with me. So the scripture says, we come together for the building up the encouraging of the good news. So what am I trying to say? It's relational. This good news thing is relational. You say, well, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can make a difference and share the good news. And listen, I'll say it to you like this. Miracles come in cans and can'ts. Do what you can and God will do what you can't. That's how we are. That's how we operate. Oh, God, I don't know if we can do that. Uh, you do what you can and God will do what you can't. He'll make up the difference. Can I get an amen today? When we step in and we trust God and we move out on maybes, God will take the best that you can and he'll handle the can't part of it. So let's step out and let's love and let's make a difference and let's reach people because God will make up the difference. And then lastly, I'll calm down just a little bit here and we'll have a little fun with this one. Point number three is this. Point number three is you're called to be different, but not a dummy. Uh, My son right now, uh, as you know, Uh, I have the gift of, of gab. I, I, I say a lot of things. And so I'm occasionally known for being sarcastic and maybe even name calling. And so my son now he's following right in my footsteps. And so he (coughs) sincerely, genuinely, (coughs) he, um, (coughs) excuse me, he, uh, Doug can't edit that out anymore. Uh, he uh, he loves to say dummy, and I think it's hilarious. My wife hates it, but it's something that you don't like or he doesn't like, he say, you are dummy. Like I just gotta admit, like I watched it the other day. My wife's a dummy. And so yesterday I had to build Ikea stuff for like nine hours. That's not an exaggeration. Like I can send you a picture of, a, we moved three of the bedrooms around and the girls are together now and the boys are doing all this kind of stuff. So we had all this Ikea to build. And so anyway, when I was building all that stuff, because my wife ordered it because she's a dummy, I uh, I put on grumpier old men. And some of you are like, oh, that that fits, that makes sense. If you haven't watched Grumpier Old Men, go ahead and sign off right now. Just don't even worry about the rest of the sermon. You just go get grumpy old men and grumpier old men, you go put that on. But I'm just saying I'm living for the day where I get I get to just be the grumpier old men. And 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 it, my son is kind of already that way right now. Like if he doesn't like it, something he's like, oh you dummy. You dummy. And so that's a long way of me saying like, basically that's where this point comes from is this, be different, but don't be a dummy. Don't be a dummy. Here's what I'm trying to say is this, be a good news sharer. I know that's oxymoron after I just told you I'm living to be a person who who can be a grumpy old man. I'm not far from that because I already have Crocs. I turned 38 this year. I already have Crocs and uh, I, have, I have muck boots that are knee high. I stand in the pond, my pond when I'm getting ready to fish with my muck boots on. But anyway, don't be a dummy. Here's what I'm trying to say is like this. Go out and share the good news. Go out, reach people, love people, but don't be a dummy about it. Be normal. Just be normal. What I'm trying to say is this. You don't walk up to somebody in the grocery store and be like, are you washed in the blood? how's your day today? Hey, sweet, sweet truck, are you washed in the blood? Hey, hey, uh, I like what you did with the lawn. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Now we just got to get in and do life with people. Don't, don't be weird. Don't be a dummy about it. Don't make people uncomfortable. Come in and do life. Listen to people's story. So that's why scripture says simple things like you grieve with those who grieve and you laugh and you do. you go through life with one another. And in the meantime, you can share the good news. You can have fun. You don't compromise. You don't compromise. You don't join in sin. Amen. But you come in and you connect and you do life. You don't compromise, but you be real. Matthew chapter nine verse ten. I know we know. We all know this. We all know this and have heard this. But Matthew chapter nine verse ten says this. It says now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house. And behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Here's what you need to know. Jesus was the type of person that in scripture says many, they listed the word many because many were coming. It's not like one or two made their way in many sinners and tax collectors gathered around him because he was influential. He was somebody who wanted to be around. They, they, they wanted to hear the good news that he was sharing. Verse 11, and the Pharisees sought, oh, those Pharisees, here they come again. And he saw and said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of physicians. And that's what people are always trying to do. They're always trying to get the church to get together. And all those who are well, let's, let's spend some more time together. Let, let's do some more studies together. Let's, we're all well. We're all well. There's a whole hurting and dying world out there. But we ought to get together more. And, uh, and you know, do some, we're, we're well, we're good. Let's get back out there. And then he says this, which is interesting. He not only says the statement about, look, if, if you're well, that's not what I've come to do. I'm here to, to help the hurting. And and again, he's going to minister to us as Christians. You guys don't, don't get this all twisted, but he says this in verse 13, he says, but go and learn what this means. He doesn't just make the statement, like throw it out there as like a response. He's saying, guys, (laughs) gals, we have got to learn what this means. This balance of those who are well is not what I've come to But those who are hurting, he's like saying, you've got to go learn this balance as we're delivering the good news and and what the gospel means. Yes, the gospel has great meaning for us of those who have been saved and, and forgiven of our sins. Like, yes, all of that is transforming us on a daily basis. I'm not taking any of that away. But at the same time, what does the good news mean for how we're active in making a difference in our community? Can I get an amen? So he says this, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So our good news does have a process of calling a sinner to repentance. It will happen. It is in this process, but I believe the sharing of the good news has to actually come across as good news, not hate news not angry news, not you're not good enough news, but it has to be good news. And the way that I think we show the good news is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So are you willing to come alongside? That's why we as a church, we're willing to have fun and do lights and all the things that we do in kidsmen and student ministries has free food and sodas and candy and video games. Why? Because we're coming alongside people to love them and care for them and lead them to repentance because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Can I get an amen today? Jesus wasn't afraid of lost people. He went into where they were. And so we have to connect them by way of like love and relationships. So don't be a dummy. Coming up to people, man that a car is fast, but it it 's not as fast as you 're going to hell because you 're going there fast, sinner you buckeye yeah. Ephesians chapter four verse eleven gives you. Uh, sort of my responsibility as a pastor as far as preparing you. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 says this, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. My role is to equip you, build you up, set you up so you can go out and be a sharer of the light and the good news of the gospel. I'm sort of like the coach, right? I drop the strategy, we put together the things and then we say, go, go and do it. Go share, go make a difference in your community. Can I get an amen today? You have all that you need because the Holy Spirit has empowered you. How are you gonna be a witness into all the world? You go with the Holy Spirit. When you do all that you can, God will make up the difference of what you can. Can I get an amen today? And we're gonna go out and we're gonna be good news people and we're gonna be a light and we're not gonna hide it. We're gonna advance the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen today? Let me pray for you. And then we got a couple important announcements for you to take off uh, that you don't want to miss. So let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word. God, it's alive and it's active and it's moving. And so God, we want it to move us into making a difference and connecting and, and God, we don't want to be sideline critics. Uh, We don't want to be scorecard keepers of the world. No, we want to be people who go out and share the good news of who you are and how you set us free and how you save us and continue to save us from ourselves. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, I pray that you help us hide this word in our heart. In Jesus name. Amen.